Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. I am Troy Shockley, and this is the Coffee Break Podcast. Thanks for joining our chat today. Coffee Break brought to you by Cochrane Insurance. Kicking things off a little bit early, we've got Kathleen Williams starting our supersized coffee break. Kathleen, of course, the Democratic candidate for U.S. House. Kathleen, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. I got my coffee. Great to be with you. Yeah, so you are ready to go. You're caffeinated up and, and, and you're ready. Well, I, actually, I'm a decaffer, but... Uh, but <laughs> well, that's, that's not coffee. Enough, that's just <laughs> tinted water. <laughs> this so. uh, still tastes good, though. <laughs> Uh, Kathleen, this is, of course, not the first time you've run for office, but this election, obviously, quite a bit different than anything uh, any of us have seen before, certainly uh, candidates. Uh, what has this been like? Oh, well, it, you know, it's an incredible honor um, to have the opportunity to get out and talk to Montanans about what they care about. I mean, obviously, I had to do it in a different way for um, for much of the pandemic, Um we are getting out a little bit more now, and we went on this really great 2,300-mile, uh, six-day, 22-stop tour uh, that was all all in parks, uh, which was wonderful, and it was it was great to get out and talk to folks again, albeit masked and distanced. Uh, but um, but it's I I love it, and I uh, the only thing I'd love more is being in office so that I can actually you know do the things that uh, that Mon- Montanans are telling me they want me to do. Well, I know a few days left, of course, but uh, we're getting into the home stretch here. How do you feel the campaign's gone for you? I think it's gone great. I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm always one to take on a challenge head on. And, and so the, the pandemic was a bit of a surprise. And then, holy cow, a recession on top of that. And, um, but I, I think it's gone well. I think we've got our message out, uh, hopefully, about being a, a true independent voice for Montana that's rooted in Montanans' hopes, struggles, and dreams, and goes out there, cuts through the hyperpartisanship, and brings back results. So, um, yeah, we're doing it however we can, and, and I can't wait to have the honor of uh, hopefully the, the possibility of being Montana's next congresswoman. Kathleen Williams joining us today on an extended edition of Coffee Break. She's the Democratic candidate for U.S. House. And Kathleen, I think motivation is something that's important for Montanans. Uh, so I'm curious what your motivation is here. I mean, why, why run for the House? Not not once, but now twice. <laughs> well, the, the first time was because, and and it continues, is because I, I look out there and I'm just so frustrated with how partisan it is, how people go to their partisan corners, they can't, they can't work together, they can't get things done. Um, you know, I saw the same thing at the legislature, uh, which is what caused, part of what caused me to run. You know, they couldn't even pass a budget in 2007, so and that's the only thing that, that the Constitution requires the state legislature to do. So, so the first time it was because um, I just knew that my diverse background and my experience in policy work and my approach to working with people of all political stripes and my almost four-decade history of bringing diverse interests together to find win-win-win solutions was what Congress really needed. And then the, running the second time is because we got so darn close the first time, and 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 I spent so much time talking to Montanans about about their stories and about their interests that that I kept trying to figure out, well, how do I work on those stories? Um, and it took me five months to figure it out, which maybe was too long, but uh, it, was, it was to run again and to, to solve those health care issues and to 
ensure that we get our economy back on track and now to stem the pandemic, help stem the pandemic and, and ensure that, that our economy comes out stronger on the other side and protect our outdoor heritage. I mean, you know, those are a lot of the things Montanans talk about. So regardless of the outcome here in, uh, in any or all of the races, I mean, I, I can't imagine things are going to be any less divided or divisive in Washington. How do you bridge that gap? How do you get things done in this environment? Well, you, you lead by example. You find uh, common interests in unique areas. You know, I, I, uh, I've done that all my career. My, my specialty has actually been in water, and that, that can be a very contentious issue when you're trying to figure out who gets what when and, and, and how we protect our, you know, blue ribbon streams and while ensuring that irrigators have what they need and cities have what they need and industry has what they need. So I've spent a lifetime really bringing folks together and, and finding creative solutions that may not make every single person absolutely happy, but, but they work and they last. And so um, when I saw the hyper-partisanship in the legislature, and by the way, I had been legislative staff back in the 90s when it worked fairly well. You know, people could disagree with each other and then go out and have dinner and a beer together. And, and I, I wanted to bring some of that back, and I think I did. I led by example. I held people to their higher selves, to their higher ethics, and I didn't really have any authority to do that, but but just doing it and showing that it can be done and being an example and working with, I mean, I worked with some of the most conservative folks um, and some of the folks on the other end of the spectrum that, that surprised a lot of people that, that I'd come in with uh, someone that they hadn't expected and, and they'd get a kick out of that. Um, and that's because we found something we agreed with, we set the other stuff aside and we worked on that, on that topic. And I think a lot of that commitment um, to working with people of, of all political stripes and diverse interests and the art and the practice and the experience of doing it, I think that's exactly what Congress needs right now. Kathleen Williams joining us on Coffee Break this morning. She's the Democratic candidate for U.S. House. And Kathleen, the, uh, the, the big, really almost the only talking point in ads here the last few weeks opposing you is uh, the fact that you're from California, you're from Berkeley. Curious what your response to that is. Well, you know, my dad was a lieutenant colonel. I was born in an army hospital. You know, babies don't have a choice of where they're born. And I'm proud of my military family background. And, you know, 51% of Montanans are from somewhere else. And I think, I think what we all need to look at is, is, is folks serving this state. And I've spent 26 years, uh, whether it was legislative staff, whether it was you know, working statewide to solve water issues, whether it was serving on boards uh, or governor-appointed advisory committees, uh, and being a state legislator and, and solving problems and saving lives and building our economy. You know, I think that's what's important. That's what Montanans care about. Um, and also, you know, knowing Montana well enough um, to go out to Congress and, and, and um, stay rooted in, in those issues and needs and, and not, you know, tow a party line or be bought and paid for by special interests, you know, going there and staying true to, to Montana's needs and, and, and bringing back results. So, um, yeah, I, you know, Montana's the first place that ever felt like home for me. And, and, uh, I, yeah, I moved around a lot before that. 
Uh, Kathleen, COVID, of course, kind of, uh, you know, it, it's the front and center right now. And Montanans, like the rest of the country, waiting to see if another round of aid is coming. And right now that lost in a little bit of the politics, it seems. Uh, what needs to be done? What can be done? Well, uh, you say it's lost in a little bit of politics. It's lost in a lot of politics. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, we need people need continuity. I, I continue to talk to Montanans about, you know, their their concerns and their situations and their stories. And I mean, people are hurting. I talked to one guy in the restaurant industry He's trying to support a family of six on, you know, reduced hours and reduced wages. Um, you know, there's people that are dropping their health care because it's too expensive. There's folks that are uh, concerned about access to mental health resources. There's, you know, a, a gal who was laid off in the retail sector trying to live on a third of her former income, which wasn't high in the first place. There's, you know, couples on Social Security that are that are trying to make a go of it while all their expenses go up. I mean, so we need we need continuity. Uh, one thing I've said, and it's it's really hard to imagine, but on top of all of this. Uh, these challenges, the last thing we need is, is, is an epidemic of homelessness, right? I mean, we, we are in uh, dual crises, and we need forward-thinking leadership, strategic leadership to help us get out of this. And, and uh, that's one, one reason, well, there's several. That's one reason that I uh, really wish that I had gotten over the finish line last time, because I know I could have been helpful at providing some strategic partnership at the federal level um, uh, focused on um, testing and, and equipment and supply chains and, and targeted uh, assistance. So it's frustrating having to call for all of that on the sidelines, but I'm ready to go there and, and help, and um, I, I want to get there in time. So. Kathleen Williams is our guest on Coffee Break this morning. We've got a few minutes left with her. And uh, Kathleen, when it comes to law enforcement, that too has been a talking point, some calling for the defunding of uh, departments. Uh, what's your stance there? I don't support defunding the police. I've, I've been supportive of law enforcement. I've really, uh, uh, really enjoyed and learned from the opportunities when I've done ride-alongs with with law enforcement to learn what they're facing and, and what, how I can be helpful to them. You know, the, the idea of, uh, you know, pasting me with, with labels and, and accusations that aren't true, you know, there's must just not, they can't run on the issues apparently. So um, I know Montanans can see through that and, uh, and I've, I've always supported law enforcement. The uh, the economy, of course, you, you mentioned it. I mean, it's still struggling. How do we get Montana back on track? And maybe as it, as it pertains to this conversation, you're in Washington. How from there can you help Montana's economy get back on track? Well, I intend to be back and forth between Washington and Montana. I, I would not be a true representative if I didn't stay rooted and, and talking to and interacting with and listening to uh, Montanans. So I intend to be back and forth. I intend to have a very open, accessible, responsive uh, office, including staff. Um, but really, so, so an important fact uh, for the American economy to re that we need to take into consideration is that 70% of it is based on consumer spending. And so what we need to do is we've got to get people feeling safe, being safe, 
to get out and shop and dine and travel and socialize again. And so um, we need a vaccine. Um, but we also, you know, we needed more testing early on. We needed more strategy early on. Um, I think this may be a little bit of a dated statistic, but we have 4% of the world's population. We've had 25% of the, of the deaths in the world from COVID. So something wasn't going right. And um, so, uh, again, it's been frustrating not being in office and being able to, you know, hold the, the testing czar's feet to the fire and, and really be creative in trying to, to develop a strategic federal, state, local, private partnership on, on testing and tracing. Um, so, uh, so that's what we need to do. We need to get this pandemic under control. We've got to get people out feeling safe again. And part of that is ensuring that, that, that people are protecting their neighbors. You know, I, I appreciate walking into a, a business that requires people to wear masks, that, that um, is taking all kinds of precautions to, to keep people safe, you know, wiping down tables every single time. Uh, the customers change uh, seating, um, you know, putting the restroom keys in a, in a bucket of disinfectant. Um, you know, that's what it's going to take. It's, it's a partnership with business, with, with citizens protecting our neighbors, um, with testing um, and, and tracing, and, and we've got to get through this. So, and then we've, then we've got to come out stronger on the other side, right? We've got to learn from this. We've got to make sure we're ready for the next one, which isn't a question as if, it's when. And we've got to make sure that we've got the workforce and the economy to respond to the customers and the interests of the future. And, and I'm ready to, to uh, help build that in partnership with leaders here in Montana. Kathleen Williams, the Democratic candidate for U.S. House. Uh, Kathleen, we've got, uh, let's call it a minute left. I mean, many Montanans have voted. Our, our, in fact, our state leads the nation in early voting, but 200,000 Montanans out there still with their ballots on the kitchen table. Uh, so now's your chance for the pitch. Why are you the right choice? Well, because I've got the background, the experience, the mindset of being a, a true independent representative that fights for Montanans. Uh, isn't bought and paid for by special interests, um, will, will, that knows Montana's hopes, struggles, and dreams, will stay rooted in those, and will go to Congress, cut through the hyperpartisanship because I've done it before, and bring results back to Montana. That's what I've done my entire life, and I'll, I'll keep doing it. Kathleen Williams, thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Stick around. We've got more Coffee Break coming up right after this. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. Welcome back in. This is Coffee Break, and I'm Troy Shockley. Jim Gleason joining us now, the second of our three guests today. If you missed it, we did start a little bit early this morning, uh, squeezing in Kathleen Williams. You can catch that chat if you missed it. The rest of the show later today, it'll be online at kcap.com. Uh, Jim Gleason is the national president of Transplant Recipients International Organization. Jim, uh, thanks for taking time today. Good morning. My pleasure, Troy. Uh, can you uh, can you introduce yourself to, to folks a little bit? Let them know just who you are. Very basically, I'm just an average guy who, uh, at the age of 50, found out I needed a new heart. 
I live over in New Jersey and uh, close by to Philadelphia where I have great heart transplant programs. And so in October of 1994, I was gifted a replacement for my heart by a donor who I did not know at the time and have been very successful in living a full life, going back to work for another dozen years, finally retired, and uh, live a, a totally unrestricted life as I get older and older much to my uh, <laughs> surprise to be alive this long, needless, needless to say. But as part of that, I've found myself uh, saying thank you to that anonymous donor by giving of my time and skills to support patients who are facing organ donation and also to raise the awareness of the need for organ donation in our communities. Today, over 110,000 people are awaiting organ transplants of various types. And about 20,000, uh, 20 a day will die waiting because somebody didn't say yes. And the whole concept behind it, it really is very simple. And it follows a story that I love that I'd learned many years ago. There was a father and his two daughters who were next to the bedside of their declared dead mother, spouse. And they were being asked about donating her organs. And the father could not face it. The two daughters kept saying, but mom would want to do this. And he said, no, I, I can't do it. And that argument continued even down the cafeteria. One of the workers down there came by and said, excuse me, sir, can I say something to you? And he looked up like, what? It's not a question of whether your wife is going to be an organ donor or not. She will be a donor. The question is, is you going to donate to the ground or to save somebody's life? And he walked on. And the father thought about that for a minute, turned to the two girls and said, we need to go back upstairs. We have some papers to sign. I, every time I share that story, tears come to my eyes because it's so apropos and so emotional. And I hope that it conveys to your audience and to the community at large how simple a concept it is to say yes when you no longer need those organs because yeah. you're dead. Uh, Jim. But the other important thing is to register with your DMV probably out there in Montana and also let your family know. So when that time comes, maybe many years from now, uh, they know what you want and there's no conflict. Yeah, Jim uh, Jim is the national president of Transplant Recipients International. Can you tell us what that organization, what's TRIO all about? TRIO is basically an organization that's been around over 35 years now, supporting patients who are awaiting transplant, their families, and for patients post-transplant. And so we do various projects to help improve that environment. Most recently, for example, we have a development of an educational website raising the awareness of cancer risk in post-transplant patients. This is something that comes with the immune suppression drugs that we take. And if you're not paying attention to it, it can become your death now. As opposed to if you know about it and you're paying attention to it, you can catch cancers earlier and get them treated well and live with cancer for the rest of your life that way, especially things like skin cancer, which doesn't sound like a bad thing. I mean, on the skin, how bad can it be? Well, it can be very bad. And so TRIO develops programs like that to raise awareness within the transplant organizations and also provide those free resources for people. The other thing we do is we also provide patient input through developments of things like uh, the recent, this month, in fact, the release of something called AlloCare. AlloCare is a phone app that helps patients 
be disciplined about the things that make for longevity and a healthy life. And so that is a free app, believe it or not. There's actually something in the medical community that's free. And you can download it on your iPhone uh, from the Apple Store, Allocare, A-L-L-O-C-A-R-E. And it'll be available for Android users in the springtime. What's really neat about it is CareDX out in California, who has other products that help our patients, uh, looked for the need and invited patients to come in and give them input to the design. And I have to say, when I look at it on my phone, I'm impressed because the first thing you see when you turn it on is a score from 0 to 100, which is made up of the factors that are important for a post-transplant patient to be tracking. And as a guy, I don't know, you and I are probably guys that are competitive. You want to see how you can get to 100. Right. And so you can drill down uh, to those factors that play into that score and focus on the things that you can do better with to improve your overall health. And so it becomes a fun thing that way. But it's also very uniquely user adaptable. So, for example, if you were just out the first year from transplant, you're taking very close tracking of many factors, blood pressure, blood rate, or pulse rate, for example, things that your medications. Now, 26 years later, and every time I say that, I think, wow, it's been over a quarter of a century since I got that heart. Uh, I don't need to track those that closely. So I can adapt this app to my particular needs, and that's make it more easy, user-friendly for the needs that I particularly have. So Allocare is something that any of your people out there that have a need for it, again, Allocare, download it from the Apple Store on your iPhone. Jim Gleason is the national president of Transplant Recipients International Organization. Uh, Jim, uh, things in every area change today impacted by COVID-19. Certainly that's got to include those who need or have uh, have gotten transplants, right? Certainly has. I mean, and that I can address that in two different ways, right? One way you have the individual patient. What are they doing today to safeguard the gift, life-saving gift that they received in this COVID-19 era? And so I think that most patients who have received a transplant probably have a higher regard for the gift of life and are adhering to the disciplines that are being prescribed for safe distancing, wearing a mask when you're out, things of that nature. I, I think they're more compliant. On the other side, you're talking about the actual surgeries themselves. And two sides of that. There's such a thing as called living donation. You have two kidneys, for example, and you can thrive just fine on one. And also, you can give part of your liver to a loved one, let's say, who needs uh, a liver. And your liver goes back to full size. Well, those living donations are really elective surgeries. And so they took a big hit in terms of volume uh, with the COVID lockdowns. And so they were down. But the amazing thing is on the deceased donor side, when somebody dies and donates their organs, that organ has to be used very quickly after death. And so we have a very generous society here in the United States. And surprisingly, we are on track right now to match the record-setting numbers of those donations, even from last year. And I watched the numbers very closely, and it's absolutely surprising. We're going to have more transplant surgeries this year than we had last year despite this. 
again, down on the living donations because they've been delayed in many cases, starting to ramp up again now. Uh, but the deceased ones have increased. And so a lot of people, their lives are being saved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jim Gleason is the national president of Transplant Recipients International. Jim, uh, before we let you go, any final words? Just one final one, and that is I'd like to say thank you to everybody who considers organ donation, and it's a personal choice. It's not for everybody, but we sure hope that unless you have a reservation about it, and there are a lot of falsities out there that you can get corrections to in terms of religious bias against it, all religions, um, Con yeah, condone, that's not the right word. Uh, support organ donation, for example. Uh, there's no way that a famous person gets preference over you and I, for example. And so there's a lot of those things out there that people need to get the facts about. But secondly, just encourage them, one, to tell their family what they want to do. And secondly, register that decision with their DMV. So when the time comes, people will know what to do, and you can save lives. Again, 20 people a day are dying because somebody didn't say yes when they didn't need their organs anymore. And so we can save about 40,000 people a year get life-saving organ transplants of the 110,000 that are waiting. Say yes to organ donation, tell your family, register, and accept my thanks for your consideration. Jim, thanks so much for your time. I sure appreciate you and appreciate the, uh, the work you're doing to get the word out. Troy, I appreciate it very much. Nice talking to you out there in Montana from here in New Jersey. Yeah, we Rainy won't even New hold Jersey that against today. you, Jim. <laughs> I was listening to your commercial just before, and they were talking about the, the white-tailed deer and stuff. I said, wow, that's a commercial I've never heard out here. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Gleason with uh, Transplant Recipients International Organization. Stick around. We've got even more Coffee Break coming up right after this. In today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. This is Coffee Break, and I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. And uh, on the line with us now to finish out the show, Amy Reeves. Amy is Lewis and Clark County's new treasurer, clerk, and recorder, and election administrator. Amy, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. So, thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know you've been doing some interviews this week, but this, I guess, your first live experience, huh? It is. Okay. Well, I do it all the time. So it, it can't be that hard. I, I think you're going to be good. I appreciate you being willing to, to come on and, and chat with us today, especially after, uh, you know, you're probably getting a little bit tired of people asking all these questions. Oh, no. No, it's good. I, I don't mind. <laughs> Can you introduce yourself to folks a little bit? Who Who is Amy Reeves? Um, I have worked for the county in the accounting department for t the past 27 years. So I worked um, under the prior county treasurer, Paulette DeHart, and I had a lot of experience with the property tax department, also with the elections. I've volunteered a lot throughout the years helping with the elections department. So the, when the treasurer's position came up, I was very interested and yeah. applied. So can you explain, um, as we said, treasurer, clerk, recorder, what does that mean? What, what does your job look like every day? 
Um, currently, I'm spending a lot of time helping the motor vehicle department, um, getting some things in place so that our customers can flow through the office a little faster and speed up the processes, getting some online um, renewals, online scheduling for appointments for title work. And I'm busy right now also helping our property tax department. We have um, our tax bills coming out very soon. And then, of course, the election is taking a lot of my time also with everything going on with the elections. And it's it's going to be starting here pretty much for me really heavily tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Elections administrator. Explain that one for us. What What does that mean in practice? What does that mean? I'm going to be overviewing, overall seeing the election process. So um, I'm going to follow the same procedures that Paulette DeHart did and, and kind of do what she did as her role. But I do have some really good staff under me. I have Audrey McHugh, McHugh who is helping me. She's her our election supervisor, and she, she knows the ins and outs of everything. I'm still kind of learning the process. So I'll just kind of stick to what I know and, and go from there. Amy Reeves is with us on Coffee Break. She's uh, Lewis and Clark County's treasurer, clerk, and recorder, and the election administrator. And So ultimately, you're going to be dealing with uh, an, an awful lot of ballots here. Oh, yes. Yes, we <laughs> I mean, we, a lot of ballots. <laughs> we talked about it on the show this morning, Montana leading the nation in early voting numbers. And it sounds like uh, the last I spoke with folks there in your office, I spoke with uh, Audrey last week, Lewis and Clark County really kind of leading the charge. We are. We had a grant that offered us some money for some outreach, so we've been doing a lot of voter outreach this year. We've had TV ads, radio ads, billboards, and then we've sent out informational phone, uh, postcards to people to let them know if you know what to do if they haven't voted, and then also to let them know how they can track their ballot. Well, and it looks like we're, I, I'm going to guess that we're on pace for a record-setting election here in, in terms of uh, turnout. I know that usually varies based on, you know, who is the president on the ballot? Is it midterm? You know, there's different primary and general. That all changes. But are we going to be the top of everything here by the time it's all said and done? Well, it, it's looking that way so far. I'm not sure if we will actually reach it, but we are sitting pretty good. We have so far we've had almost 74 percent of our ballots returned that we have sent out and we have so far a 67 percent voter turnout so we are we are looking good i think when we looked at the records about an 85 percent um ballot return or total or voter turnout i think was our top so um, is so that a product you think well of just the, the 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 times that we're in or is the mail ballot option increasing numbers or maybe a, a mix of both it could be a mix of both, but I believe a lot of it for our county is also that voter outreach, letting people know how they can vote and where they can vote. We're offering um, drop-off locations. We have outside drop-off where people can just drive their car straight through and drop it off, or they can come into our building and drop it off. So we're giving our, our voters a lot of opportunities this year to get their ballots in. One, we do already in Montana have a pretty strong mail-in system for elections, right? There's a large number of people that, that do permanent absentee. We do, especially in our county. We have a lot of, of voters that normally do absentee ballot. Okay. So what if anything is different this year then in terms of how this process all works past, I suppose, just the increased numbers? You know, I'm not exactly sure what's what's driving it. I just know that we are, like I said, we have our outreach going and we have a lot of um, opportunities to encourage those voters to get out and vote and, and not necessarily make them come into a building or... Um, you know, they, they have so many options. They can drop it in the mail. 
it's just it's a nicer option I think than make him you know take off work and and go in and vote mm-hmm. and then not be able to you know they can mail it if they want so they can do it right at home. Right. Amy Reeves is uh, the county's new treasurer, clerk, and recorder, and election administrator. And uh, as you mentioned, I mean people had the option for mail in, but that's pretty much out the door, right? I mean at this point, do people need to be dropping their ballot off in person? We would suggest they do. They should drop it off in person just to make sure it makes it here in time. I'm not sure if if it would have enough time for it to get here if it was dropped in the mail. Um, usually the mail doesn't take that long, but we just want to ensure that their vote counts. So I would prefer that they drop it off. So where can they do that, Amy? How, how does that whole process work? Well, we have a drive-through drop-off. It's Kitty Corner from our city county building here. It's between... It's on Lawrence. It's between Fuller and, and Park. So they can just drive through there or they can come into the city county building on the first floor. We have a table set up with a ballot box that we have some of our judges manning so they can go drop it off there. And then also if they're not registered to vote or if they have um, not received their ballot for some reason, they also can come into our office and get a new ballot and they can also register to vote. And we have that open from 8 to 5 this week, and then Monday will be 8 to noon, and then Election Day we're running from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Although we do advise people to come in early because the volumes that we're seeing, I'm expecting extremely long lines on Election Day. Yeah. Amy Reeves is with us. She's the election administrator here for Lewis and Clark County, and uh, you talked about uh, you know the, the, the ballot drop-off boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, those are secure, Right. I mean, we don't people don't need to worry about putting their uh, their their ballot in a box and to never be seen again. No, those those are secure. They are manned by our judges. We also will be having on Election Day, we'll have um, drop offs in Augusta, Lincoln, Wolf Creek and East Helena. And then those those are also securely transported by officers. So how does that work? I mean, I know I can drive through. I can drop off my ballot. But what's the process and uh, how do you make sure everything is uh, is on the up and up? I mean, because usually when you go in, there's comparing of signatures. and that, Is that still happening with the, the drive-through? It is. It is still happening. So we are taking those ballots. They should be in your mail-in envelope that you have your signature on the outside. We're going to be um, scanning those envelopes. There's a barcode on there so that we can make sure that, you know, you have not received two or three ballots and that we can make sure we get the right one counted. And then from there, we're going to compare those signatures and make sure they're accurate and match our system. So from there, we're, we're checking all our voter records. If we have a problem, we'll be contacting the, the voter. Um, from there, we can open up the ballots, um, or not the ballots, excuse me. We can open up the outer envelope, and we then have all our secrecy envelopes into a separate pile. Those secrecy envelopes are able to be opened on actually today and tomorrow, and the ballots will be getting um balance to those envelopes to make sure that, you know, we have the right number of envelopes compared to our ballots, and we'll flatten those ballots out so that on Monday and Tuesday, they can run smoothly through our machines. Because you can start counting those ballots on Monday, but no, no numbers are going to be released until after uh, eight, 8 o'clock on, on Tuesday. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. Uh, so, Amy, if my wife's ballot is also needing to be dropped off, for example, can I bring hers as well? Does she need to be there? How does that work? You can bring hers as well. They changed the law on that, and you are able to bring your bring yours and your wife's if you want to. Okay, so you guys have made this really easy. There's really no excuse for people not to be uh, getting their ballots into you. No, no, we want the voters to be able to have their voices heard, so we try to make it all work. 
So you said uh, things can get started here in the in the county and the state as a whole on on Monday. Do you think that is going to help us? Because I know one of the big concerns is uh, you know with with mail in election across the country. When are we going to actually know results? Is, is that going to partly because Montana is used to doing this already? Are, are we going to have pretty timely results on Tuesday night? You know, we're still expecting um, to have results somewhat late because of the lo- I, we we're expecting long lines. We still have a lot of voters that we're expecting to come in and vote, which is why we're really encouraging those people to come in today and tomorrow and then Monday morning to get those numbers down so that we can get the results out faster. Yeah, because if people are in line, um, they, they don't have to have voted by uh, by 8 p.m. They just have to be in line at that point, right? Right. They just have to be in line. If they have a ballot, we have a separate return spot for that. But if they are in line to register or to vote or both, then the line will be stopped at 8 p.m. So anybody in line before that will be um, processed and will be having to count their ballots. And, and of course, we have to check those again for signatures and everything. So that process takes some time. If our line is two hours long, that's going to put us back at least till 10 o'clock before we have all the ballots. And that's before we get to check and make sure everything's accurate before we even think about counting the ballot. Yeah. Amy Reeves is Lewis and Clark County Treasurer, Clerk and Recorder, and the Election Administrator. Uh, uh, Paulette stepped out just in time to, to let you handle all of this this year. So uh, congratulations, Paulette. That, nice move there. Um, Amy, thanks for taking time with us this morning. All right. Well, thank you. That's all the time we have on Coffee Break today. But as we talked about uh, with Amy, I mean, if you if you have not yet voted, it's probably too late to drop your ballot in the mail, but you can still go and drop that off in person in the box or at the city county building. Really no excuse for you not to vote. And uh, that, that's the case any year. But uh, this year it's even easier. So get down there, vote, make your voice heard. Uh, it's important. So go ahead and do that. That's all the time we have today. We'll see you back around here tomorrow. Ellen Bombler coming by. I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. Head on over. Give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.